Today's guest is probably one of my all-time favorite guests and people that I have met in my foray onto the whole podcast platform. Betsy Wurzel is the host of Chatting with Betsy, and I was privileged enough to be on her podcast several times. And this time I am privileged to have Betsy join us in my podcast, Dementia Caregiving for Families, because Betsy brought her message to the world because of her husband, Matt, who was diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's disease in his late 50s or early 60s. I'm not quite sure of the year that he was diagnosed. But Betsy is one of my all-time favorite people to be around. Uh, So without any further ado, let us welcome to Dementia Caregiving for Families, Miss Betsy Wurzel. Hey there, success seeker. Welcome to Dementia Caregiving for Families. Do you feel overwhelmed with the daily struggle of dementia caregiving? Looking for an easier path? You're in the right place. On this podcast, we teach you the skills to simplify caregiving. We unravel the mystery of dementia and guide you through the often difficult behaviors. I'm Lizette, your host and fellow family caregiver. As an occupational therapist, I bring my professional and personal experience to this community. Here we speak the truth but without the verbal vomit. I know you will find value in today's program. So buckle up while this flight takes off. Well, welcome back to Dementia Caregiving for Families. And I have a special treat for you today. This is my good friend, Betsy. And she is from Chatting with Betsy. And I am so excited to have her on my fledgling program Welcome, Miss Betsy. Oh, thank you for having me, Lizette. I am deeply honored. Oh, wonderful. So I know you and I have known one another for several years, and I've been on your program for a couple of times. And this time I wanted to have you on mine that just got started. But I had a particular request for you to tell the listeners a little bit about your own journey with your husband, Matt, and some of the things that you learned throughout that journey. Okay. First, I'm going to show a picture. That's okay. Of course that is. He was a good looking man. Thank you. Um, Wow. Matt was diagnosed at the age of 56 with early onset Alzheimer's. Getting that diagnosis was very frustrating because doctors didn't believe that his primary doctor didn't believe that he was having memory problems, which he was. Unknown to me, Matt was having problems at work. Mm -hmm. And when I took Matt neuropsychologist, that was February 2010, she had the audacity to say, when the results came in, he couldn't possibly be that bad. Accused him of being non-compliant, 
And I told Matt, he better be cooperative because this test is expensive. And Matt told me I was compliant, Betsy. I told her I couldn't remember what she just showed me. Mm-hmm. Now, Lizette, I'm not the only one. I've heard this from other people that even I have interviewed. Why do they blame the patient? Uh, that makes my blood boil. Right. I didn't know back then what I know now. Yeah. I will tell you my biggest, one of my biggest frustrations, you use the word non-compliant. I hate that term. Uh, I think that's a term that needs to be thrown away because non-compliant implies that the person truly understands from a very deep level exactly what the consequences of their actions are. So I always use this as an example. I had an occupational therapist who was my patient. So she had the knowledge, the same knowledge I have about things. And when I made recommendations and she told me no, I could call her non-compliant because she really understood and knew what the consequences of that decision were. Calling a patient who is not taking their medicine, for example, because they cannot remember non-compliant is a flat lie. So being told by a neuropsychologist that Matt is non-compliant because he doesn't appear to be putting his best effort forth is harmful. Yes. Yes. She told us that Matt had a deep psychological problem. He was misdiagnosed as being depressed. He was on antidepressants. He was on medication to help him focus. That didn't help. It was pretty amazing that the company doctor, who I don't know if she saw him in person or not, um, wrote me a letter, and that's primary care doctor letter. She suspected dementia Mm -hmm. without seeing test results. She suspected him. So she was the, it was a type. So she really was the first person who identified something was going on. Yes. And then and if, after that, I, once he got diagnosed, what kind of other barriers and problems did you run into? I had a problem of getting him diagnosed because they I took him to two different neurologists and they said, Oh, he's too young. He can't have it, he's too young. Mm-hmm. They didn't know back in 2010 what they know now. Right. Neither did I. But um, getting him properly diagnosed, fighting to get him diagnosed, mm-hmm. getting him on medication. And then um, Matt, I was very fortunate that Matt progressed slowly. Mm-hmm. And he didn't have behavioral issues really until n- near the end of his life. And it wasn't until near the end of his life, getting him on hospice, mm-hmm. um, I went with the recommendation from his primary doctor. It was a hospice at, out of our local hospital, connected to a huge, huge medical care system, mm-hmm. healthcare system, which isn't the best. And um, I was so stunned at their incompetence. Tell me about that. Um, what Tell that? me about that. Tell me about their incompetence. What happened? 
I could write a book. Um, well, you should write a book. <laughs> they thought they were dealing with a meek housewife. They had no idea who they were dealing with. Uh, I'm petite, but I got a big mouth and not afraid to use it. I kept calling hospice because Matt was agitated and the medication wasn't working. They kept telling me to get more of the same. It wasn't working. And I said, it's not working. So this nasty social worker came to my house, accused me of not giving the medication right, talked down to me. And she said, no one calls up hospice as much as you. So I want to know why you're calling. And I, <laughs> I put her in her place real quick. I said, let me tell you something. You do not talk to me that way. So you need to tone it down. Okay. I said, I worked as a licensed practical nurse. I know how to give medication. Don't talk to me like I'm stupid because I'm not stupid. I'm telling you the medicine's not working. I'm telling you Matt's dying. You don't like me. And that he's agitated. And to give more of the same, when I'm telling you it's not working, doesn't make any sense. Right. And I said, and I am my husband's advocate. I will call you up as much as I want till there is a solution to his problem that I keep complaining about. Right. Absolutely. And and that is exactly what you need to do. You are his voice. You were his voice. He didn't yes. have a voice at that time. And that's what family caregivers need to understand. They they need to advocate for themselves as well as the person that they're helping. Yeah. So if, if, what else? did you learn from your situation dealing with the healthcare system? Did you know that caring for a person with dementia doesn't have to be this hard? If you are struggling and you would like to join our next free workshop, the topic of the workshop is three tips how to avoid challenging dementia behaviors without stress, anxiety, or burnout. I invite you to walk away with science-backed dementia caregiving skills that many professionals don't even know after attending this free workshop. If you'd like to register, message me the word workshop on Instagram or check out the link in the show notes below. It's severely broken. And people, unfortunately, I feel is that it's been my experience. You know, a hospice is supposed to be supportive, right? Mm -hmm. Giving emotional support. That's what was in his plan. That's plan. Emotional, spiritual support. Mm -hmm. Receiving zero support. A lot of aggravation, but zero support. If I had to do it all over again and tell your, your viewers, please get someone, if you could afford to hire them, to help you navigate the hospice process. Interview hospices. Don't wait till the last minute. Like I was. Start navigating. Um, hire a geriatric uh, consultant, nurse consultant. Well, whoever you could find, even a death doula, right. um, get someone to help you. 
you have to pay out of pocket for that. If I would have, well, I should have done that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, Matt still would have died, but maybe that could have intervened for me. Right. And it would not have been so difficult for you to constantly be fighting this system. Yeah. Um, what happened was, well, I, I told the, the hospice nurse that came, she said to me, um, Matt talks? I said, yes, Matt talks. She said, well, he can't be on hospice in three months if he's still talking. And that's another thing that has to change. So I said, you mean to tell me that he could be hallucinating 24-7 care, but because you hear him talk for a few minutes, he can't be in hospice? I said, that's ridiculous. I said, but don't worry. He won't be here in three months mm-hmm. because he's dying. She said, no, he's not dying. He's walking and talking. I said, I'm telling you, get your head out of that textbook. Not mm-hmm. everyone textbook picture. He's dying. Right. And two weeks later, Matt was gone. Oh my word! So his so it went pretty quickly there at the end. Yes, and another thing was that I told the social worker Matt complained of a headache. My husband never complained, and he said to me as plain as day he had a headache. She had the nerve to tell me he couldn't possibly have a headache. Why do people think that those with dementia can't have pain? If they had it before they had dementia, they will have pain when they have dementia. I don't get it. Absolutely. I recall um, many, many years ago after I had my my babies um, for probably six or seven years, I couldn't sit. Like sitting, it hurt me to sit. Like my coccyx had gotten broken or out of place with the, the labor and delivery. And I remember distinctly telling my husband one day, if I have dementia and I'm crying and sitting and I'm sitting in a chair, it's because my butt hurts because I couldn't sit. I couldn't sit on anything. I couldn't sit on a chair like this. I couldn't sit in church. I actually carried a gel cushion with me because it hurt so badly. I had some massages and so on, and it, it took care of that. But I know without a shadow of a doubt that if that were me, I would be hurting because it was hurting for six years. In, in that particular spot. So you're 100% correct. You know, people with dementia do experience, if they had aches and pains before, they still have them. They're just not able to tell us that they're having those experiences. Yes, exactly. And then Matt fell one night. It was a Friday night. Josh went out. Josh is my son. And he fell. I called up hospice that Matt fell. I said, you're going to come out and assess him? They didn't come out. They want to come mm-hmm. out. Neither did they call the next day for follow-up. Mm-hmm. So I called them up. I said, Matt fell. He's agitated. So she told me to you know, give him the medicine. I gave him the medicine. That Saturday night, Sunday morning. Well, son, that Saturday night, he talked the whole night. Fell out of bed. I called up hospice. I said, I gave the medication, didn't help. I have chest pain. I need help. Matt needs help. Mm-hmm. Or, and he fell. Are you going to come out and assess him? The nurse had the nerve to say to me, she didn't know. Wrong answer. I told her, wrong answer. I said, well, I'll, I'll tell you what I know. 
I'm going to call you every minute. <laughs> you know what you're doing. And in between calling you, I said, I'm going to call the regional director and I'm going to get my, I'm going to complain, get my husband off of this hospice and I'll call a Medicare to report your incompetence. Mm-hmm. And how did she respond to that? How did the hospice respond to your advocating for him? She said, oh, don't do that, Mrs. Sloan. Sloan is my married name. She goes, I'll call my nurse manager. I said, okay. She called me back. Um, my nurse manager said that Mecca come up to the hospice unit in the, hosp- in the hospital. Do you want that? And I said, yes, that's what I'm asking for. So she said, yeah, I hope the ambulance will be there. I said, I can't transport him. Otherwise, I would have. Mm-hmm. I waited until 5 p.m. for that ambulance service to come. Mm. And the hospice actually called me. The, the hospice unit in the hospital called. And she said, is Matt here yet? I said, do you see him there? <laughs> do you see him there? I said, no, he's not there. He's still at home. I'm waiting. Mm-hmm. They didn't even know if he was there or not. There's only five patients on that floor. Right. Well, and they're the nurses. They're the doctors. They should know. Yeah. Yeah. Whether somebody, you know, if the EMS was bringing him and transporting him, there's a procedure to hand him off. They should know whether or not he's there. So that right there. So then he finally went up there and I told Josh, I said, Josh, daddy's not coming home. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. Um, and I know this is a hard time of year and I'm sorry to have asked you. No, 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 it's okay. I get emotional. I don't know. You know what? It's it's perfectly okay to get emotional. We're we're emotional creatures. It's it's part of you know. Death is separation, and it's it's not easy. Um, I know you're a few years past that, but it's still always going to be there. Yes, yes, that's true. No, it's okay. Um, I said to Josh, Daddy's going to his heavenly home. Mm-hmm. I'm coming to this home. And uh, they thought a hospice, because they're so incompetent and stupid, they thought he was just up there for medication adjustment. Mm-hmm. That's how competent they were. And after two days, they said to me, oh, Betsy, now we see what you're talking about. You think? Like, why would you think I would make it up? And I had called up the director of that hospice mm-hmm. and told her I was not happy. She wanted to meet with me. And I met with Carmela. And I told her, I'm not happy. This is unacceptable how Matt was treated and and, Mm -hmm. and me. And she said, well, apparently someone dropped the ball because I said there was no follow up. And I said, listen, my husband's not a ball. He's a human being, number one. Mm -hmm. Number two, you would not accept this treatment. Nobody on this floor would accept this treatment. Mm -hmm. Loved one, do not expect me to accept this treatment. I said, You have no idea who I am and who you're dealing with. <laughs> and I I was just it, it just was shocking the lack of compassion, of caring mm-hmm. for this facility of uh, uh, hospice nurses. And mm-hmm. Lizette, I have people coming in. <laughs> to see who the big mouth was. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
pretend to see how Matt was doing. They really wanted to see who was causing the waves. That's funny. <laughs> so was it only the hospice and the diagnosing or was there was it the whole journey with the healthcare system that put up barrier after barrier for you and Matt? It was really getting the doctors to believe us, first of all, that Matt was having a memory problem because his primary care blew me off. Until he got the letter from the doctor, then he called me up. He said, Betsy, I won't use his language, you know, what's going on? And I said, I told you he was having memory problems. I told you. You didn't mm-hmm. believe me. And so you I told- went through a doctor, the neuropsychologist, two neurologists, and all of them were like, this cannot possibly be. Right. He's too young. And I had I had an intuition that Matt would get this young. I myself did not know you could get dementia at any age. Mm-hmm. I really did not know at that time, like I know now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm kind of envious of caregivers now, Lizette, because there's so much information available, so many podcasts, so many people like yourself, so many groups that I'm going to sound New Jersey harsh here, but I will tell your audience, there's no excuse not to be educated now, not any excuse at all. And if you can't find the time to educate yourself to make this journey easier for you and your loved one, then shame on you. Yeah. Say it. Well, no, I I totally agree. And I mean, that's part of my mission is to, like, I know that, you know, you you actually came through this really well on, you know, because I've I've spoken with you about this before. And it doesn't, as hard as it was, you were not the, the caregiver that was falling apart. Like you were still keeping it together, but you kept it together because you had a definitive purpose that you wanted to accomplish with him where my where my passion and my mission comes in is you know you have the the caregivers who wait too long and they don't do anything because they they just kind of adjust and they adjust and they adjust and then one day it's just a tipping point and it's you know, they never recover. And even after their loved one passes away, they're the ones that are resentful and have lost their own health and have um, lost their own relationships because they were not proactive. And so my mission is to try to catch people earlier on in the journey so that they don't get to that point where they fall apart um, by giving them the support and the education and everything that they need earlier on. The biggest problem, though, is that people don't realize that they need help at the beginning. Like immediately when you get a diagnosis of dementia, that is when you have to start planning for it. You can't wait a year or two or three, even if the person's not necessarily at that moment in time showing the signs and the symptoms and you think it's not that bad. If you wait, you've lost the opportunity to put structure in place for yourself and your loved one that you're helping 
to make it actually easier for both of you. Yeah. So that's yeah. my mission. That's my mission is to get to people earlier on so that they don't get to that overwhelmed point. Lizette, I love what you're doing. And I just want to tell your listeners, I wished there was a Lizette, you know, 13 years ago. I wish there was someone like you who had a group who you have free workshops. And if anyone's listening, you better jump on Lizette's workshop. You better. You really need to. You need to get into a group and you really need to educate yourself. It makes such a big difference because my mother-in-law had Alzheimer's in 2000. There Mm -hmm. wasn't any information. There wasn't any support. I did not handle her hallucinations correctly. When Matt hallucinated, I was ready. Mm -hmm. I knew what to do. It makes such a big difference. Yeah, it does make such a tremendous big difference. Now, what was your biggest takeaway now that you're on the other side of this? You know, when we're living through something, a, a good analogy is, you know, the, it's an open wound and it's hard, but now you you have the scars, you know, the wounds healed and the scars are there. What is your biggest takeaway for people now? From what you've learned that either, you know, you want to encourage people with or that you would have done differently or any, you know, any big takeaway for people who are in a position where they're either just finding out somebody they love has dementia or if they're in the midst of it and they don't feel like they're coping, what would you advise people? What's your biggest takeaway? I think um, people need to do definitely self-care. Go for therapy, go for counseling. I went for counseling um, mid-journey with Matt Mm -hmm. because I was on the verge of a nervous breakdown with working Mm -hmm. and everything. You do not have to be strong Mm 24-7. That's baloney. You need to take care of yourself. And um, I have a saying, self-care is not being selfish. It's literally a matter of your life and death. If you want to enjoy life after caregiving, you need to take care of yourself during caregiving. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a mindset. You're going to get through this. Do not let this disease rob you of joy of living. Celebrate every holiday, every occasion, even if your loved one doesn't remember. Matt didn't remember. I celebrated video your loved one. Take pictures of your celebrations and enjoy the moment. Don't worry about what am I going to do when they're like this or or this way or that way. And ask for help. Um, Way before you think you need it. Yes. Uh, Start checking out hospices. Um, Check out, you know, if placement, that didn't need to be placed. But if, you know, you're looking for placement, you should really be looking. And Although, of course, the financial power of attorney and medical. Mm-hmm. And Lizette, I have to, I'm a believer and I have to give God the glory. Absolutely. All day, every day. If it wasn't for my faith, I wouldn't have gotten through. Mm-hmm. Because I have fibromyalgia. I suffer from migraines there and I worked. And mm-hmm. I don't know how I made it through some days by, by the grace of God, by the God's strength and grace, I am 
made it through and I am basically healthy. I have some minor issues, but thank God I'm sitting here today and I'm healthy. Right. Um, but I, you have to take care of yourself. Yes. And you have to be an advocate. If you see an injustice, you must speak up. Don't be afraid to cause a tsunami. You know, don't think like my mom, you know, back because from her era, don't make ways. Be a good girl, Betsy. Keep quiet. No, you can't keep quiet. You have to point out um, people's mistakes and injustices being done. And don't be afraid to speak up. And you can change hospices. It was just too late in the game for Matt for me to change. Right. I will tell you the most important thing. You said two things that's the most important for me. Did you know that caring for a person with dementia doesn't have to be this hard? If you are struggling and you would like to join our next free workshop, the topic of the workshop is three tips how to avoid challenging dementia behaviors without stress, anxiety, or burnout. I invite you to walk away with science-backed dementia caregiving skills that many professionals don't even know after attending this free workshop. If you'd like to register, message me the word workshop on Instagram or check out the link in the show notes below. The first one was your faith. I have noticed a tremendous difference in how people come through this when they do come through it from a faith-based perspective and your own mindset. Because I know for myself, when I was starting to deal with some issues with my with my dad, whenever it was, oh, woe is me and doom and gloom and I let myself go down hill, it was overwhelming and terrible and I couldn't function. But the moment I stopped and said, no, it's I we can do this. And I started to think about all of the strengths that we have and the good things that we still have and focused upward. My life and my caregiving journey was entirely different. And it all stemmed out of how I was thinking about it, which is and I, I know I've spoken with you about this before, but which is one of the reasons I'm very afraid of these huge, big Facebook groups, like with 50, 60,000 people in where where people feel so anonymous and so, quote unquote, safe that they just go blah, and they just pour out this, this verbal vomit that just isn't um, helpful to the people who are reading it because there is such a stigma related to thinking processes. And when that's the common view, no wonder people are struggling because that's all they're hearing online is the doom and gloom and woe is me. It can be easier. You can make moments of joy. You can come through this with your health intact. You can. There is so much that you can do. And we actually, as the caregiver, can control that. And so I, I just think, I think that's the most important thing for me, you know, all of the, 
The other stuff is important. Yes, the financials and all the power of attorney, all of those things are important. But unless you come from that other mindset first, it's almost impossible to come through this journey in a healthy way. Yes. And then, you know, it's acceptance. Um, You have to accept what is, not what you planned. Nothing is uh, written in stone. And also believers that like even after caregiving, I didn't think I would feel guilty, but I did. So I let that go. But I know I'm going to see Matt again. Yes, you will. And I know he's having a great time in heaven and he wouldn't want to come down here on earth. And he's and I had that hope. I'm going to see him again. He's feasting at that banqueting table every day, not just on Thanksgiving. Right. And you can. Um, integrate your grieving with your living. I honor Matt all the time. Thanksgiving, we gave a salute. I honor his birthday. Mm-hmm. I show you know, uh, pictures. Why not? Absolutely. Why, you, know, you could keep talking about your loved one. I will be dead or not be able to talk when I start talking about Matt. Right. Matt is my catalyst for what I do. He was my inspiration. He's why I went in my car. He's why I'm doing what I'm doing today. Absolutely. For sure. And what a legacy he has left through you. And I know Josh helps you a lot with what you do. And what a a testimony to to your your wonderful marriage that you were such a, 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 a good advocate for him and able to help him through this process. And Yes, it is it is hard to lose somebody you love. I I totally understand that. But we can still grieve with hope, especially when you're a believer. And also Lizette, children, even adults, they can learn life valuable lessons. Caregiving. Mm-hmm. Matt and Josh had such a deep connection. Matt, Matt knew Joshua's name right up until he couldn't talk anymore. Sometimes he would get us confused. Matt called me Booby instead of Betsy. That's close enough. And I learned a deeper love connection mm-hmm. uh, with Matt. And it's hard to put into words, but I just knew. Like you have a connection with your husband. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I was interviewed a caregiver who cared for her husband. And she, she had a deep love connection. We, I understood, we understood each other. Because when your loved one can no longer do for you, you do for them out of love. Mm-hmm. Josh did for his dad out of love, knowing his dad could not do anything for him anymore. Right. And it's a beautiful, deep love connection. Absolutely. Unconditional love. Yes. That and, I and got to experience. 100% if the roles had been reversed, he would have done the same for you. I don't know. I think you would have thrown me in the <laughs> That's but, not true. <laughs> um, but it's, um, you know, pe- I want to tell people, you can not only survive during caregiving, you can thrive. Yes, I you did. Can. Mm-hmm. You can. You can survive and thrive. It's a mindset. It really it is. It is a mindset. Let this, uh, these defeat you there's life after caregiving so go live it life was meant for living the older i get lizette 
I so appreciate life so much more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Bible says we make it to 70, it's a gift. Anything after 70 is a blessing. Yeah. I'll be 66 next week. Happy birthday. I, um, every day is a gift, every moment. And I'm really prioritizing my time now more than ever. For sure. For sure. So, Betsy, how can people listen to you on your program? Uh, my show is Chatting with Betsy. I'm on Spreaker, Spotify, uh, YouTube, Amazon Music, to name a few. Just mm-hmm. to name a few. Awesome. And we will put all of um, Betsy's information in the show notes. It is a wonderful program. I know she has a lot of good people that she interviews on her program. So thank you for doing that. And thank you for bringing attention to people who are family caregivers of particularly mostly people living with dementia. And I I really appreciate the visibility that you're bringing to this particular subject because it has been, it's been in the dark corners way too long. You know, people ask me a lot of frequently people say, but dementia is new. I'm like, no, it's not. It's, it's not new. It's been around for like the first records that I could find of people um, that had symptoms that we now would recognize as dementia were in the Egyptian times. So it's not new. It's just been swept under the rug. And the longer we keep sweeping it under the rug and having a stigma related to talking about it and seeking help earlier and more frequently and being the squeaky wheel, I want people to understand not remembering is not normal, like short-term memory deficits, not forgetful, but that is not normal part of aging. And too many doctors still tell you, oh, that's just a normal part of aging. We have to change. If I can't get to all the doctors, then I have to get to the people who are going to the doctors. So we can change so we can change how people go to the doctor and be able to educate them that they say to the doctor this is not normal you need to find out what's wrong and keep being the squeaky wheel yes um i will also add my brother my older brother bradley had memory problems before he died and the neurologist did not want to believe that he had dementia mm-hmm. But what frets, what frustrates me is now twice you've said the neurologist. Those are the people who are supposed to be the brain specialists, and yeah. they are not even recognizing it. And yeah. then we have this expectation that a family practice doctor or a GP or a, you know the first line of defense is going to pick it up. That's it's, not um, reasonable it, expectation. <laughs> it's mind-boggling when the Matt's primary de- uh, care doctor started having the clock that you do mm-hmm. a little for Matt. I said, I wish you would have had this, you know, eight years ago at that time. He, he rolled his eyes and he said, oh, Betsy, there's nothing I could have done for Matt anyway. Well, and, that's a very defeatist attitude for a doctor yeah. to have. That's it, Lizette. I mean, the attitude, you yeah. just want to get him off their high horse. Um, I was interviewed in the newspaper and the doctor happened to read it and he said, I know your frustration, Betsy goes, but there's nothing I could have done for Matt. I said, you could have listened to us. You Mm -hmm. could have believed us. Right. 
And that's the thing. And I told that to the social worker. When a caregiver tells you their loved one's dying, agitated, is in pain, you need to believe them because we're not taking this crap anymore. Are you not believing us? And um, I used to say this when I first got my car to do videos. I'll tell your, your audience, folks, it's time to get out of the dementia closet. We need to shine a light yes. on our loved ones, this disease, show your journeys, talk about it. Don't be afraid about what people think. Don't worry right. about what people think. Who cares? I we agree. need to personalize this disease with names and faces. Yes. I've been saying that for years. Yes, and I 100% agree. And we're both going to keep telling people and educating them and making sure that they know where to go for help. And they can listen to you. They can listen to me. There are other reputable podcasts out there, uh, but they can contact you, uh, you know, and listen to you on Speaking with Betsy. And then they can they can reach me through, through um, you know, all of my information later on in the show notes and then come to my free workshop because it's once a month, um, I will teach you three basic things to start you off on your journey. So, Miss Betsy, thank you so very, very much for being here with me. I appreciate you, my friend. I have really enjoyed getting to know Matt a little bit better. Um, I wish I could have met him in person. Oh, thank you. You would have loved him. Everybody loved Matt. Thank you, Lizette. Um, I really love what you're doing. Am I what you're doing? Thank you for what you are doing. You're very welcome. Thanks for joining me today, Success Seeker. I pour my heart and soul into this program to serve you. You can serve me by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. And join our free Facebook group, Dementia Caregiving for Families. It's a positive and proactive space to navigate dementia caregiving together get practical tools, and find support, but without the verbal vomit. Be a part of our community where we seek to find peace of mind and ease, despite the dementia diagnosis. So join today and see you next time as our flight takes off.